when you fast. <laughs> so if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and have you found it, let's stand in respect for the reading of God's Word. Now, I'll give you a little bit of background. I, I have had a number of questions over the last several weeks about fasting, some of them about fasting in particular, some of them about the Easter season and what the, the Catholic Church does with Lent and things like that. And I have had a number of questions about those things. And as I got two or three of those questions, the Lord really laid it on my heart. You know, this idea of fasting, it's a good one for us to visit every couple of years. And uh, so we're going to look at it tonight when you fast. It just happens to be on donut night. And so if you want to fast, you can always just start tomorrow. Amen. Matthew chapter six, we'll read verses 16 through 18. Let's read them in unison together. Jesus says, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward the openly. Father, I pray in these next moments, Lord, as we have a Bible study of sorts tonight and look at what your word has to say about fasting, God, I pray that you would give us open hearts to hear, Lord, that you would give us submissive hearts to obey uh, that which you would have for us tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. And yes, this afternoon, I did apologize in advance to Brother Dan for what it may or may not do to his donor sales in a little bit. This thing of fasting, though, it really is an important spiritual truth uh, that many Christians are fuzzy on. It's often neglected or misunderstood. I don't know that I have ever heard another preacher preach an entire message on fasting in person. I may have heard another preacher reference a time or two, but I don't know that I've ever heard a preacher preach an entire message on fasting. And, and a lot of Christians misunderstand what it is. Some uh, even get the idea that it's almost like a hunger strike against God to try to force him to do what we want him to do. That's not what fasting is. Now, it's important for us to understand that as we look at the New Testament, fasting is never explicitly commanded of New Testament Christians. It is of Old Testament Christians. They had specific holidays and days where they would fast, but it's not something that's explicitly commanded to the New Testament church. However, fasting is something that the New Testament teaches is good and beneficial and profitable for us to incorporate into our Christian lives. I think you could go so far as to say Jesus wants his followers to fast at times. You say, preacher, how do you draw that conclusion? I want you to look at what Jesus said. We'll look at Luke chapter 5 for this. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. And they said unto him, scribes and the Pharisees to Jesus, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, the disciples of the Pharisees but thine eat and drink. So they asked Jesus, how come your people don't fast like everybody else? Verse 34. 
Bible says, And he, Jesus, said unto them, Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? In other words, when, when the groom is there and all his friends are gathered around, well, of course they're not going to fast. They're going to be merry and enjoy the time. Jesus says in verse 35, he says, but the days will come when the bridegroom, he's speaking of himself here, when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Let me ask you, are we in the days when Jesus has been taken from us? Yeah, uh, Jesus, he's ascended into heaven. Jesus is not physically with us anymore. And Jesus' instruction that when he is taken away, then in those days they shall fast. So I think there's a reasonable expectation that we see here from Jesus that he wants his followers to fast. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, where we are, you look at verse number 2, what does it say? Jesus says, therefore, when thou doest thine alms. Alms, for those of you who don't know, is charitable giving. Yes or no, Jesus expects us to be charitable. Come on, church, yes or no? Jesus wants us to be charitable. Yes, that's an easy one. Yes. So, well, that Jesus said, when you are charitable. Well, yes, he expects that of us. Look at verse 6. Jesus says in Matthew 6 and verse number 6, But thou, when thou prayest. Yes or no? Jesus expects us to pray. Oh, that's another easy one, right? Yes, Jesus wants us to pray. Well, same chapter, same context. Verse 16, what does Jesus say? Moreover, what is it, church? When ye fast. And so fasting here is listed in the same context and with the same emphasis as being as essential with giving and praying and all of those different things. Now what is fasting? Fasting is widely understood as giving up food to seek the Lord. Now it's more than that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And you don't probably have to wonder too hard why we don't talk about it a whole lot. Because here in America, we have a very unhealthy relationship with food. We are obsessed with food. And food is pushed hard on us. In fact, they say children watch approximately 5,000 food commercials a year. They say teens watch approximately 6,000 food commercials a year. Oddly enough, when the Olympics are on, you know, during those seasons, they say over half of the commercials that they air on the Olympics are food. Most of those are fast food. In today's day and age, not only does food have its own program, food has its own channels, plural. Culturally, we have a very real obsession with food. And culturally, we're blind to our obsession with food. Why else would we culturally have a skinny jean fad at the same time we had an obesity crisis? Welcome to America. But before we cast stones, we as a church are kind of blind to this too. We as a church have done, we have equated the word fellowship with what other word? Food. You know the word fellowship, biblically, it simply means shared life. Like, like it, is, it is the sharing of life. It really can include food, but that really ought to be a very small part of it. But in our American churches, if you hear the word fellowship, you come expecting what? Food. 
And so I think we have this obsession with food. And so this thing about fasting, when, you know, like you don't eat, it's not really one of those very popular things to teach and preach on anymore. But scripturally and spiritually, we need to understand that fasting is connected with seeking intervention from and empowerment from the Lord. You know, church, I want to make a difference for the Lord, and I want the Lord to make a difference in me. And I'm going to tell you, fasting plays a role in that biblically. And so tonight, I do want to look at this. I want to teach a little, preach a little. Uh, we do this every couple of years. Like I said, it's good for us to understand what this is. And my goal tonight is I want each of us to leave with a little better understanding of what biblical fasting is and how we ought to engage in it starting, I don't know, sometime after donuts tonight for the glory of God. Roman numeral one, if you're taking notes tonight, I want to talk first about the passion of fasting. What is it? The passion of fasting. We could put it this way. It is the denial of self. It is the denial of self. It is uh, often thought of as the denial of food for oneself. And that can be part of it. Uh, Psalm 109 verse 24, we see the psalmist say this, My knees are weak through fasting and my flesh faileth of fatness. In other words, there's, uh, my body is deteriorating because I'm not getting that, that nourishment that I need through fasting. So it is the denial of itself. It, it can be the denial of self through the denial of food, but it's also the denial of self through the denial of earthly pleasure. I want you to see what uh, the Lord said in Isaiah 58 in verse number 3. He responds to the people and he says, wherefore have we fasted? Say they and uh, seest thou not? The people said, hey God, we're fasting. Don't you see us? Look at God. God said, wherefore, they say, wherefore have we afflicted our souls and thou takest no knowledge? Look at the Lord's answer. Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. And so the Lord says here, well, it's not enough just to say, well, I'm not going to eat in this time. It's more than that. We, we, we deny ourselves, yes, food, but, but that thing of earthly pleasure as well. We see biblically that a fast can be the denial of food. It can be the denial of an earthly pleasure or earthly pleasures. It can be even the denial of a physical intimacy between partners. Paul gives this instruction in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 5. Here he's talking about a husband-wife relationship. He says, defraud ye not one another or, or don't keep yourselves from one another except that it be with consent for a time. Why? That ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And so we do see, and then the admonition to come together again lest Satan tempt you. We do see the concept of fasting. Yes, it's a denial of food, but it's also a denial of earthly pleasure, a denial of uh, of sexual or intimate pleasure. It's a a denial of the comforts of this life. We we see in Daniel chapter number 6, we see here the king, uh, when he went back to his palace, Daniel's in the lion's den. He passed the night in fasting. Neither were musical instruments brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And so he denied himself those comforts and those things in his fast. It is a denial of self. Psalm 35 and verse number 13. The psalmist said, but as for me, when they were sick, my cloth, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into mine own bosom. 
It is a passionate denial of self, a denial of those things for a time. Why? That we might give ourselves to the development of our faith. Fasting, then, is the total denial of our flesh for the development of our faith. It is trading one passion for another. Is it wrong to enjoy food? No. I'm going to do it in just a little bit. And then again when I get home. Is it wrong to enjoy hobbies or labors of this life? No. Is it wrong to enjoy a relationship between a husband and wife? Is it wrong to, to, uh, to enjoy comforts? Is it, is it, no, it's not wrong to enjoy any of those things. But what fasting is, it is trading one passion for another. It is trading the physical for the spiritual. It is a conscious decision to take our eyes off the things of this world so that we can more successfully and more fully turn our attention to Christ. You could put it this way. It is the denial of self and the desire for the Savior. It is giving ourselves to hunger after God and his righteousness. Matthew 5 and verse number 6, we see this. Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Fasting is a way to demonstrate to God and to ourselves that we are serious about our relationship with him and our reliance on him. It is setting aside a time to seek God, to want God, his instruction, his involvement, and his intervention in our lives more than anything and everything else. It is setting a time to establish priority. And by the way, sometimes you just have to choose what things are more important. I'll give you a for instance. I'm supposed to go On a trip here, in a week or so, we're going to go to a ministry conference, taking some of the team, and we're going, and it's going to be wonderful. Looking forward to being challenged and enriched and built up. I'm leaving the whole ministry in the capable hands of, of the good Reverend Belcher, and so we're good to go, right? Amen. Amen. Now, what would happen if the day before I was supposed to leave, one of my kids ended up in the hospital? Well, I got obligations and a plane to catch. You know, I've given them my word or we've paid the money or they're saving my spot. You wouldn't look too highly on your preacher if he left his kid here to go to a conference, would you? Why? Because some things are just more important. And what fasting is, fasting is, we see the passion of fasting. It is us setting aside time to remind ourselves about what's really most important. That more important than physical sustenance, more important than earthly pleasure, more important than the comforts of this life is the development of my faith. It is wanting God, his instruction, his involvement, his intervention, his empowerment more than anything else. Because church, some things are just more important. 
And fasting is a tool that God gives us to help us establish that reality in our hearts and lives. It is trading my passion for self for my passion for the Savior. A denial of self, a desire for the Savior. So what does it look like then? We see that it is the denial of self, whether it's sustenance or pleasure, uh, comforts of this life. But I want to see secondly, and this is where we're going to pick up our text today in Matthew chapter 6. I want to see the practice of fasting. As God would lead us or give us opportunity to fast, what should that look like as we practice fasting in our lives? Look back Matthew 6. I'll read verses 16 through 18 again. Jesus said, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So we've seen the passion of fasting. It is establishing the passion for God, for Him, and for His involvement and empowerment in our lives. But now we see the practice of fasting. What does it look like? When God leaves me or I feel the need to fast, how do, I, how do I do that? Well, number one, when you fast, be cheerful. Be cheerful. Jesus says, don't disfigure your face. Don't corrupt it. Don't make it look all sad. How many of us know food has power? Food has power. Sometimes I see grumpy people and they either need a cup of coffee They need a cup of coffee or they're on one of those weird diets where they can't eat bread. They need a piece of bread, right? Like one piece of bread would go a long way. You turn that frown upside down. Food has power. How many of us know appetites affect our attitudes? You know, one of the hardest things in the world for me, and this is how how dumb and shallow I am, right? If I get here in the morning and the coffee's not ready, like, my heart just sinks. Like, it's going to be a bad day. You know what's even worse for me is when the coffee is ready, but they forgot to turn it on. And so it appears fresh, but it's lukewarm. I would rather have no coffee than lukewarm coffee. Like, why? And the whole day is ruined. That's how dumb and shallow your preacher is. All right? Food has power. Our appetites affect our attitude. But here's the thing. Bring your body into subjection. Get you under control. We looked at the verse this morning, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. There the Bible says, Paul said, I keep my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached unto others, I myself should be a castaway. Jesus says, when you fast, don't corrupt, don't mar your face like the the hypocrites do. Be cheerful. Yeah, you won't always feel good, but be cheerful. Here's another one. Not only be cheerful, be concealed. Don't draw attention to it. Because when we fast, it is between you and your heavenly Father alone. You know, sometimes 
People go to fast or people, they miss a meal and they're doing what? They're dragging. Oh, it's so hard. And oh, I've been without food for 10 whole minutes. And you know, brother, I hope to be here Wednesday night, but I guess I'll have to see how I feel when I wake up, when I, when I haven't eaten for 30 hours. Oh, I just don't know. And, and what do we do? We, we, we act and we whine and, and, and really it's just kind of letting everybody know this is what's going on. By the way, it's kind of funny, this is, you look at other cultures, for instance, the religion of Islam, the false religion of Islam, when they fast during Ramadan, you know what they do? During that month, they will stick their tongues out. You know why? Because when you fast, a film, they say, builds up over your tongue when you fast for, for extended periods of time. And so they do that kind of as a check to show, look at me, look at me, I'm doing it, are you doing it? You know, I've even had questions about this whole season, the Catholic season of Lent. You know, one of my, one of my biggest head scratchers on that is what do you always hear? Well, I'm giving up this. I'm giving up that. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Wait a minute. The instructions say when you fast, don't let other people know. Don't disfigure your face. Anoint your head. Wash your face. Don't appear, verse 18, unto other men to fast, but under your Father which is in secret. And so this whole thing of everybody knowing what everybody's not doing or giving up, I'm going to tell you, that's not biblical. It's not biblical. No more than sticking your tongue out at each other is biblical. No more than acting all, oh, I just don't know. It's biblical. Be concealed because fasting is not for your church. Fasting is not for your pastor to see. It's not even for your family to see. It is for God to see. And if we're going to fast, we need to act like it. Otherwise, Jesus says you have your reward. In other words, if you're doing it for other people to know and see, you have your reward. That, that phrase right there, it means like you have your receipt. It is paid in full. Expect nothing else to come. If your desire is for other people to see, you are paid in full. So, so how do we fast when we have those seasons where God would lead us to, to deny ourselves in some way in order to seek him? Be cheerful. Don't disfigure your face. Be concealed only unto your heavenly Father. And last but not least, be confident. Be confident. Psalm 34 verse 18 puts it this way. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken and contrite heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Let me, hear you, let, me, let me show you in this verse, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 18. Jesus says, he says, That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall do what? Reward thee openly. In other words, we have there in the words of Jesus how God will respond. He will reward our seeking him. And you're like, maybe, you're, maybe you don't understand. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe this is your first time in church. And you're like, none of this makes any sense to me. Here's what you need to understand. When we respond to God and we seek him, he'll honor us. He'll reward us. He'll bless us. When we seek him, he'll bless us. It's, it's that simple. When we seek him, he'll bless us. 
The practice of fasting, God, Jesus here promises and tells us that we should be confident that God will see and God will reward. And by the way, the word of Jesus ought to still be enough. Christianity does not begin and end with what man sees. It begins and ends with what God sees. Christianity is not primarily about me and you. It is about me and God. And everything else flows from that. And I can be confident that when I seek God, God will give me what I need. Sometimes it's not what I want, but God will give me what I need. I think one of the most clear examples of this to me was, was King David. You'll know the story, many of you. King David, um, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And the prophet told him what? That the baby would die. And the baby got very sick. And the Bible says that David fasted and prayed, and David fasted and prayed, and David fasted and prayed. Now, what was David fasting and praying for? That God would heal that child. Now, God chose to take that child to heaven. But do you remember what happened after that? That wasn't necessarily what David prayed for, but, but the verses after that are astounding. What happened? The Bible says that David arose, that he washed his face, that he shaved, he cleaned himself up, he went and he ate, and the servants were like... Why aren't you falling to pieces? But in that moment, God may have not given David what he wanted, but God had given David what he needed. And God had given David an unshakable peace that though that baby would no longer come to him, one day he would go to that child. So how do we fast? Be cheerful. Be cheerful. We, if you're fasting, we ought to be suspicious because you are just a cheerful person to be around. Well, he's not normally that happy. I wonder what's going on. Be cheerful. Be concealed. Be confident. So we see the passion of fasting. What it is? It is the denial of self, and it is a desire for the Savior. We see the practice of fasting. Well, what is the practice? Jesus says, number one, we need to be what? Cheerful. Number two, we need to be concealed. And number three, we need to be confident that our Father which seeth in secret will reward us openly. I want you to look lastly with me at the purpose of fasting. And we're going to look at a couple of different scriptures and examples here. The purpose of fasting. Look with me first. It'll be on the screens for you. James 4, uh, beginning at verse 8. James 4, beginning at verse 8. James writes this. He says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We have here instructions from James, and really this surrounds a solemn plea that we are making unto God. And really the attitude that we see here in James 4, the denial of self and the seeking of the Savior, uh, what we saw in James uh, 4, 8 through 10, really is the attitude that we take with us into fasting. Fasting is not for selfish or silly reasons. In other words, I'm sorry, sports fans, you are not going to fast Cleveland to another championship. You're not going to fast the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs. 
You're not going to fast LeBron back onto the Cavs? Oh, we wouldn't want him back. Oh, please. If he announced tomorrow that he was coming back, most you people would be dancing in the streets. Oh, yeah. No, we wouldn't. Yes, you would because you did it last time. You'd be hoping maybe this means we get brawny too. Whatever. You're not going to fast LeBron back to Cleveland. Fasting is not for selfish or silly things. We don't fast, quote-unquote, because we need to lose weight anyways. Hear me, that's not what this is about. This is about a period of self-denial because we have something most serious and solemn that we need God for. It is the recognition that we desperately need something from God that is beyond us. We see examples of people who fasted and prayed, who who sinned and needed God's mercy. We see it in the people of Nineveh. When they heard Jonah's message, they fasted and they prayed and they humbled themselves before God. Why? Because they recognized they had sinned and needed God's mercy. I love how Joel, the the minor prophet Joel, Joel 2, beginning in verse number 12, we see, therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even unto me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Perhaps fasting and praying we see in the scriptures over sin and the need for mercy We see it for the lost or wayward soul, somebody in your life who is without Christ. You know, I'm going to say that's a very serious and solemn thing. Because to die without Christ is to lock in your place at the great white throne judgment like we talked about this morning. And once you get there, there is no hope. Perhaps it's over a lost or wayward soul. Perhaps it's uh, you're in need of direction or wisdom. We see multiple times in the book of Acts where the New Testament church, before they made a decision or before they transitioned on to something, how they fasted and they prayed to God for wisdom. We see it in Acts 14 and verse 23. We see Paul and them when they had ordained elders in every church and then prayed with fasting and commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so they're establishing these new churches and church leadership and God, we need the right men in the right places to do the right work so that these churches can continue continue on and they fasted and they prayed to God for wisdom and direction and for blessing I might summarize it this way you should not expect God to go further for your problems than you are you know very often we're, we're content to just put it on the prayer list we're content to just put it on the card and put it in the box. And if it gets on the prayer list, good. If it gets on the prayer chain, great. But I'm going to tell you, we ought not expect God to go further for our problems than we are. We ought to be burdened enough about some things in our lives sometimes that we're willing to deny ourselves to seek the Savior. To establish that that is that priority that matters above all. The purpose of fasting we find in those times where we have a solemn, serious plea that we need to make before God for something or someone. The purpose of fasting we see not only in the solemn plea, but also for the need of spiritual power. You know, we see fasting referenced along lines of spiritual victory. The breaking of bondage, Isaiah 58. We'll go there if we could. 
Isaiah 58. This is a furtherance of the passage we began to look at in verse 3. We'll pick up in verse 5. It says, Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? Look what it says, verse number six. Is not this the fast that I have chosen, but to loose the bands of wickedness and to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? We see this along the lines of these spiritual strongholds that the people had and had put upon themselves. And God here references fasting as a way to spiritual victory, to breaking the bondage that the people were under. We see Jesus fasted before he was tempted, Matthew chapter 4, that he fasted 40 days. He was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Well, if I hadn't eaten in 40 days, I'd be a little bit hungry. Amen? If I hadn't eaten for 40 days, I'd have said, Well, why not? But Jesus answered and said unto him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see, here's the reality that Jesus demonstrates. Yes, because of the fast, he was physically weak, but he was spiritually strong. Spiritual power for spiritual victory. I want to tell you, there's a lot of bondage in this world today. A lot of people who are in the bounds of sin whether it's some substance that they put in their bodies, whether it's something that they look at with their eyes, whether it's something that they hold on to in their heart, like bitterness or unforgiveness or hatred or lust or you name it. There's a whole lot of spiritual bondage out there. You know, this is a means that the Lord gives us to truly put the priority where it ought to be, to seek spiritual power and victory but also in the seeking of spiritual direction. Acts 13, verses 2 and 3, before they commissioned Paul and Silas to service, what did they do? They fasted and prayed. Acts 13, verses 2, and they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost then said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, you see that? Both verses. What are they doing? They are fasting and praying. They laid their hands on them and sent them away. Church, when we need God's direction, when we need God's power for service, we ought to fast and pray. Matthew 17. Look at this verse. Verse 19. This is when uh, the disciples could not cast out the demon possessed, the child that was possessed with the devil. And the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall, be, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? We have here a connection word of contrast. How be it? This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. You know, church, I wonder sometimes if we rob ourselves of the spiritual power that God wants for us to have. Now, I'm grateful for what God's doing, amen? 
I'm grateful for the souls that are being saved. I'm grateful for the people who are being discipled. I'm grateful for the people who are getting baptized, for the people joining the church, for the people in the jails, the people in the nursing homes, the people loving on uh, each other throughout the week. I'm grateful for all that God is doing. I'm grateful for the word we're getting out in the community. And I'm grateful for the radio station. And I'm grateful for the fair ministry we're going to be able to have this summer. And I'm grateful to be able to take Johns and Romans and put them on every door in our community. I'm grateful for all that God is doing. But I wonder sometimes if he would do more if we asked him to. I wonder sometimes if there shouldn't be seasons where we give ourselves to seek him above all. I mean, there are seasons where we give ourselves to to be better at some sport. We we give ourselves in certain seasons to to get better at something or work on something or or do something. And and we have these seasons of life. But when is the last time we had a season in our spiritual life where we just flat gave ourselves to seek Him? To deny ourselves? To desire Him more? You know, I watch people come and go and move from this town to that town, move from this church to that church, bounce from this ministry to that ministry, and do all these things. And I wonder sometimes, have we prayed about these things at all? I mean, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but it seems to me in our day and age, we take these things so casually. When there is a spiritual significance to life that we are missing today, you realize every battle we make, every battle we have is a spiritual battle at some level. You realize every decision we make is a spiritual decision at some level. There is a spiritual significance to this life that we miss because we live it so casually and so comfortably. I think that's why we don't ever talk or preach or teach or practice fasting anymore. Because it runs in the face of our casual, comfortable lifestyle. I mean, to to deny myself? To give up my comfort? But it is that recognition that I desperately need God more than anything and anything. Everything else. And I just want you to think with me tonight. Again, if all of this is very foreign to you, you know, maybe you're a baby Christian. Here's the thing. I would never suggest Timothy fast. Why? Because he's a baby. He needs to eat like every two hours. Now, that's the life. Somebody come by, feed you every two hours. That's the life. Amen. And maybe not not a lot of this makes sense to you. Here's what you need to know tonight. When you give yourself to seek God, he will honor you. When you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Here's what you need to know tonight. If you're not a Christian, here's the one thing you need to know. Take all the other confusing things I've said, put them out of your mind. If you are not a Christian tonight, here's what you need to know. That God is seeking you. That God loves you. That your sins separate you from God. So since you couldn't go to him, he came to you. And God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what you need to know. 
that God is seeking you and God wants you to turn to him and receive him. If you're a baby Christian and, or, or, or maybe just all of this is very confusing, I'm happy to talk about it more. But the basic principle you need to know is that when you give yourself to seek God, he will bless you. But for some of us who've been at it a little while, I'm, I want you to give us some thought. Because I really do believe fasting is a very underutilized and misunderstood aspect of the Christian life. We're not doing this to manipulate God. We're not doing this to hold God hostage. We're not forcing God. We're not going on a hunger strike against God. What are we doing? We are forming and focusing our faith. Denying our flesh to form and focus our faith. Because the whole thing about fasting comes down to this. What are you really hungry for? The things of this world or the things of our God. And we have got to decide what things are most important. 